children were of very low status. So, when Jesus says that the reception of God's kingdom or dominion is like embracing a child, he is asserting again that the way to come into the presence of God is not through status. The kingdom of God comes not through power and law or status or wealth, but through weakness. you are you've given to me you set me free this is much for me as it is for you but we're on our way somewhere but we need to cover some ground to get there and it's easy to let our minds wander so stay with me here and we'll uh, walk through uh, and set some context uh, for the good news that we are sure to receive every time we look deeply into God's word together. When we think of Jesus, we're at least somewhat conditioned to think of him as meek and mild, right? Loving and caring, particularly towards us. Uh, In his book, The American Religion, Harold Bloom claimed that we Americans have kind of landed on one predominant theology, which is something like this. God really, really likes us. And God is just thrilled with pretty with us pretty much all of the time and couldn't be happier with our moral progress now we've come a long way from jonathan edwards famous sermon entitled entitled sinner in the hands of an angry god right preached during the uh, great awakening in the mid 1700s sinner in the hands of an angry god I wonder how that would go over today Today's uh, famous preachers uh, really want us to know, you know, generally speaking, that, that we're basically good people in the embrace of a completely pleased God who's really just there waiting to give us what it is our hearts desire. And there are some ways to sort of affect uh, that process. Now, in this view, Jesus is more of a, of a, of a good friend than a savior really uh the one who comes to encourage us to support us to stand beside us but never to challenge or correct or change us and it's probably understandable when you think about it how we arrive at this uh picture of jesus after all we've often noted as we follow jesus through the gospels that he gets into all kinds of trouble for befriending sinners and tax collectors and others of questionable moral uh, and uh, morals and, and standing in numerous places in the gospel jesus appears to be an, an enemy uh, in opposition to legalistic literal interpretations of the jewish tradition he gets into trouble as do his followers for breaking the sabbath laws for instance and Jesus says to his critics, the Sabbath was made for mankind, not mankind made for the Sabbath. Jesus also appears to be quite willing to ignore uh, some of the ritual purity laws. He, This man eats and drinks with sinners, his critics charge. 
So it's, a, it's, it's more than a little jarring to hear the hardline response by Jesus to his critics who ask him one of the hot-button questions of the day. Is it okay for a man who has divorced his wife to remarry? And, and, and we may have been conditioned to expect Jesus to push back with something like, well, how about what, you know, what rights the, the woman has? What's right for, for the woman? Or marriage was made for humanity, not, not humanity made for our marriage laws. Something along those lines. But at first glance, it feels like Jesus just doubles down on the Pharisees by the book approach to the law, saying that anyone, Man or woman who divorces and remarries is com- is committing nothing less than adultery. Wow. Is, is Jesus having a bad day or what's happening here? So it's jarring and all of, all of us have been impacted by divorce either indirectly or directly. So it's important that we put it, this exchange into its theological and historical context. It matters. In ancient societies where women rarely owned property, so they couldn't own uh, homes, couldn't, couldn't own livestock, where, where women didn't own property, marriage meant a guarantee of support for the most vulnerable members of our society, women and children. Without the protection and the laws against arbitrary divorce, just divorce for whatever reason the man decided. Women were totally at the mercy of men in in that patriarchal society. That was the reality of the day. So in criticizing those who advocate for an easy divorce, and this was a a big train of thought among uh, a, a certain segment of the population in Jesus' day, that the men had the right to just divorce for almost any reason, just issue the certificate, the certificate. In, in, in criticizing those who advocated this approach, Jesus again stands with the weak and the most vulnerable. So we start there. Jesus puts his tough position against divorce and remarriage in context by an appeal to God's intent for creation, as we just heard read from the book of Genesis. God is on the side of unity, a community, relationship, togetherness. This is God's intention. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What Jesus says here is in response to a question that was put to him by his critics who were hoping to trap Jesus, to trip him up. Maybe he'll say something about divorce that'll, that'll result uh, for Jesus as it did for Moses, for instance. Notice there's a kind of, hey, we're asking for f- some friends quality to the question the Pharisees bring. huh? They, they say, is it lawful for a man? They ask, is it lawful for a man? You know, just... Any man, some guy, is it lawful? But Jesus isn't buying it. What has Moses commanded you is his pointed reply. As we've noted recently, these people who bring these supposed questions, they're positive. 
that they know the correct answer to the dilemma they pose to Jesus. And as always, Jesus clearly takes the side of the weak, the vulnerable, the defenseless. Once again, Jesus turns to the children. Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. I'll say that one more time, and I want you to hear that, let that sink in, and think about what this means to you. What does it mean? Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter enter it. And Jesus took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them, the children. Now, this second half, this seemingly less controversial and confrontational section of this passage informs the first half, and it deserves a closer look. Most of the time, the teaching that Jesus offers here about receiving the kingdom of God is interpreted in a kind of sentimental way, as in, you should receive the, the, the kingdom of God like a child would, you know, with an innocent, childlike faith. Maybe that, when I asked you to pause and think about what that sentence means to you, maybe that's where your mind went. Receive the kingdom with a simple, childlike faith. So without boring you with a lengthy discussion on various noun cases in Koine Greek, the word for child here, paideon, might best be translated as an accusative case noun, which renders the verse in English like this. I'm, I'm done with the Greek. That's it. It's, all, it's over. So, but, but this is where we land then, and this is perhaps an even better translation. It's certainly a viable alternative. Welcome the kingdom like you would welcome a child. That's different than saying welcome the kingdom the way a kid does it, right? Welcome the kingdom the way you would welcome a child. Now, why is this significant? Well, we've established over the past several weeks that children did not hold the kind of revered place in the society of the day uh, that they tend to have in our time. At least we hope and pray that, that they do. You know, this was before helicopter parents, right? And before uh, things like travel volleyball and uh, hockey and, and baseball and dance and soccer and football and all the rest, right? With the world revolving around our, our children. In the culture of Jesus' time, factors such as honor and shame were powerful forces in determining behavior. People would be very eager to welcome someone of high status into their home because the very presence of this one would bring honor, right? So it makes me think of Zacchaeus in the tree, Jesus saying, come on down from that tree, I'm going to your house. Wow. Children, however, as again Pastor Natalia shared last Sunday, as she recounted the visual power of Jesus teaching while still holding a child, children were of very low status. So, 
when Jesus says that the reception of God's kingdom or dominion is like embracing a child, he is asserting again that the way to come into the presence of God is not through status, not through power or authority, not through the law. You know, Jesus, let one of us sit at your right and one at your left when you come into your glory. The kingdom of God comes not through power and law or status or wealth, but through weakness. For those who would be first must be least of all. Inasmuch as you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. Entering God's kingdom is not a way to be first or great, or to get everything your heart desires, but a way to identify the least of these as brothers and sisters and to serve them in the name of Christ. So Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And all those who are vulnerable and in need, let them come to me. Those running scared. Those driven from their home by some horror and sent on a treacherous journey in search of a safe place. Jesus says, let them come to me. Those children separated from their parents after they thought that they had in fact arrived at that safe place. Jesus says, let them come to me. Those addicted Ashamed, lonely, or hungry, Jesus says, let them come to me. Those with questions, or doubts, or anger, or fear, Jesus says, let them come to me. Those with broken marriages, broken friendships, broken lives, Jesus says, let them come to me. The good news has arrived for all of us. The kingdom of God is at hand. And it was not on a night of triumph. It was not on a great and victorious night. But on a night of weakness. In fact, it was in the very night that he was betrayed by those closest to him, that Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, on that night in which he was betrayed, on a night of darkness and weakness and betrayal, our Lord took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because you, O Lord, are everything I am not. A mighty to you, O Lord, I give everything I have got. Your name I will bless.
been saved, I have been raised. 